All right, all right. It's good to see you guys. I am excited for a lot of reasons. You know, there's, there's part of me that's like, there's a lot of Harlem Shake videos online, but I feel like the internet is not complete until remnant students have their own on the internet. And so the internet later this week will be complete and that will be beautiful. I, I think our other, our leader video got up pretty high, like had a lot of views. I think it was like six or 700 views. And so I think we can top that. I think we can top that with students. I just, I'm believing that deep down. We'll all watch it. All right, good times. Guys, I'm Lance. It's good to see you. I see lots of familiar faces and and some new ones, but uh, it's good to have you tonight. What we're going to do is end something. We're going to end something. Uh, On three, everyone say, end it. One, two, three. End it. it. All right, fine. We will. We'll end it. We're going to end the series. Okay, we're going to end the voice. It's going to be over. But we spent three weeks before tonight talking about what it means uh, to hear the voice of God. Is it possible? What does that look like? How do we do it? What if I've never heard the voice of God? The voice of God, I mean, does that even exist? It's crazy to think you can hear God speak. But tonight we're going to end talking about one particular guy who just had a crazy experience. So if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one under your seat. There's some yellow ones tucked under there. You will need it. You can turn to the book of Acts. And uh, Acts chapter... Let's say chapter, let's say chapter 9. Okay, that's where we're going to start. Chapter 9, it's on page 837 in the Yellow Bible. If you have like a smartphone or, um, you know, something that can get on the internet and use apps, you can find version, this free app that you can follow online, and that, that's a good way too. So Acts chapter 9, as you're turning there, I want you just to get the snap, sort of the, the small, sort of um, small version of what this guy's life has been about. His name was Saul. Everyone say Saul. One, two, three. Saul, okay, Saul uh, had a crazy life, crazy life. He would consider himself someone who followed God really closely. And in fact, he was someone who was a part of a group called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, if you've been in church, sometimes they get a really bad rap. People say, I can't believe the Pharisees, you're acting like a Pharisee, why the Pharisees? The Pharisees were people who looked at the Old Testament and all the laws that God gave, and they believed that to be close to God, they need to follow all those really closely and so they strictly followed the law and then on top of the law that God gave his people they added their own traditions and so over time they started to view those traditions as almost important as God's law and so those traditions became really complex and they would sort of develop this reputation for looking down on everybody else if you don't follow these rules if you don't live out your relationship with God like we do wow you're wrong and so Saul was like man He was way up in this group, okay, the Pharisees. He was like one of the best known Pharisees. And one of the things he did, he did this in thinking that it was going to please God. He actually persecuted other followers of Jesus. So people who loved Jesus, Saul was not okay with them, and actually he would have them murdered. And he did that thinking, this is what God wants. God wants these followers of Jesus to go away. And he was so committed to this. I want you guys to wrap your mind around this distance. The one time he walked 150 miles to persecute other Christians. Okay, so that in, in, the old, in the Bible, that would be like Jerusalem to Damascus, which are places you can look up later. But think about it this way. Who knows where North Bend is? You know where North Bend is? We go there on our camps. We stop, Safeway, get good food. Okay. Go to North Bend, walk there. Okay, Get some taco time and then walk that far again. 
Okay, North Bend is like half of 150 miles. He walked 150 miles on foot to go and to persecute Christians because he was that committed to this idea. And the Bible tells a story of what happened to change that. How did he change? Because he changed dramatically. So we're going to look at this story, but we're not just going to read this like from one person up in front reading it for everybody. We're going to read this kind of in a unique way. So Greer, you're here to help. I think PJ's here to help. If you guys have your microphones, you guys are going to read this for us. And the way that we're going to do this is over here in the corner, you're going to read one verse. And then in the back corner, you're going to read the next verse. And then you're going to read verse three up here next over in this row. And then back there, you're going to read verse four. And we're going to go through all 19 verses if it kills us. And it's going to be amazing. Okay. So I'm not going to read this at all. And so you can go home and pastor didn't read anything from the Bible. That's true. But you guys did, and so it all works out. Okay, so let's start front row, far right, get ready, Acts chapter 9, it's on the screen, and then as soon as he's done up here, we're going to go to the back, okay? And we're just going to do one verse at a time, rotate all the way through, I think 19 is going to go fast. If you get to a word that's hard to say, just do this, like Ananias would be like, uh, and just mumble off, okay, we'll totally be okay, just trail off quietly. Um, Ready? Go for it. Verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the highest priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue. I don't even know. And synagogue and, and belonged. Oh wait, what? And whoa, you got a hard Damascus so that if he fa- found any there who belonged to the way, whether man. Or woman, he might take them as prisoners to trust. Right, pause. So the way is basically, if you follow Jesus, you are part of the way. Okay, so go ahead. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now, now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his, when he opened by the hand into Damascus, eyes he could not see nothing so they led him by the hand into damascus for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink wait no did we just read that one? Oh, 10 okay now there was a believer in damascus named ananias the lord spoke to him in a vision calling ananias i guess yes lord he replied The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judah on the straight street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. You guys are doing awesome. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call your name. 
But the Lord said, Anasis, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their, and the, awesome. their kings and to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Then Ananias went to the house. Oh, how's it pronounced? Oh, gotcha. Went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. You guys did awesome. Big hand. Come on. You know, I just, I've kind of learned this way of, you know, when someone gives you a compliment or you get excited, if you're around me, sometimes I'll do this. I'll be like, ah, yeah. Okay, so you just did something awesome. And so as a group, we're going to say that. Okay, one, two, three. Ah, yeah. Good job, you guys. Good job. That was fun. Well, it was fun for me. I don't know if it was fun for you, but it was fun for me. And uh, if you stumbled over words, don't even worry about it. There are some tough ones in their Bible names are not the easiest. So... Here's a question for you guys. Uh, how many of you would say that in this story, this guy Saul heard God speak? Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. You heard God. Okay. Would say you heard, he heard God speak. Um, I want to ask this question. Okay. If there's a, a spot in the Bible where someone heard God speak and you are looking at the Bible saying, does God speak? Well, what does God's voice sound like? How do I hear from God? It makes sense that if you saw somewhere in the Bible where God speaks to someone and you're wondering, does God speak or how do I hear his voice, that you'd want to find those places and spend some time looking at them. So that's what we've done over the past couple weeks. And tonight we look at this one, which is one of the most extreme spots in the whole Bible where God speaks. And so what we're going to do is say, what can we learn from Saul's experience here? And he went on to have his name changed to Paul. So from here on out, we'll call him Paul. What can we learn from Paul's experience? And here's what I want to suggest. That God gave us this story so that we could read it, get to know it, and ultimately get to know God. But, but here's something funny about when you get to know a story and, and the idea of knowing God. Okay? There is a difference, and uh, if you have your notes, this is the first thing that you're going to see on there. There is a difference in knowing who God is and knowing God. There is a difference in knowing who God is and knowing God. Some of you are like, I don't believe you. And I said, I knew you would say that. Okay, so check this out. Uh, let's take a look at some people that you like and I like. Let's look at this first guy. Justin Bieber. Okay, Justin Bieber. What, what do you know about Justin Bieber? Just shout it out. He just had his birthday. He's hot. He's hot. Okay, you can only say one thing, but both of those are true. He's Canadian. He looks like Ellen DeGeneres. He is rich. I, you know, I also, here's one thing. I think he has the most Twitter followers of anybody. I think he just surpassed... This next person, let's look at this next person. Lady Gaga? What do you know about Lady Gaga? She's awesome. She's weird. 
she... Don't think that's true. You used to know her full name. She's Canadian. Is she? Okay. They're all Canadian. Okay. She's got style. She wore meat. That's a fun fact. Haven't we all? (laughs) Okay. Lady Gaga. All right. Next up. Who's this? Will Smith. What do you know about Will Smith? He rapped with no swear words. He is a dope rapper, and that is true. That's the truest thing we'll hear tonight. Let's go here and there. His son was the karate kid. He has two kids. He is the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He, he, his daughter saying, whip your hair back and forth. That's good. That's good. No, no, no. Uh, okay. I want you to think about, not celebrities for a second, okay? Not celebrities. I want you to think about your best friend. Okay, pause. Just think about your best friend. Best homie, your best female homie. I don't know what girls, homie, I don't know. Okay, so your best friend. Yeah, that's, that's accurate. Nolan confirmed that. Your best friend. We got them? Yeah, we got them locked in. So you know things about both those people. Okay, you know things about Justin Bieber. You also know things about your best friend. You know some things about Lady Gaga. And some are true, some aren't. And you know some things about your best friend. You know things about Will Smith. You know some things about your best friend. Here is what I hope that we start to see. There is a difference between knowing who God is and knowing uh, about God in, in the same way that you would say, yeah, I know like who my friend is, but I know them. I know them personally. I know them well. I have a relationship with them. I know that if, if you were to go to a concert, right, with Justin Bieber, and you say, who, who knows who Justin Bieber is? All the girls would be like, ah, and your ears would like fall off, right? would be so deaf, and you'd be done. But then, then you say, all right, you know who he is, but who here knows him? And we'd get one person, right? Just a few people. Maybe out of a crowd of like, you know, 20,000, you get like one person who met him one time. But what I hope that we see tonight is that when we talk about God, his voice, it is important, this idea of knowing him. And more than just knowing him, not knowing who God is. Oh yeah, God is from the Bible and he told Moses to do this, told Noah to build a boat. And he's, I know who God is. Tonight I want to challenge you that to know God's voice, ultimately you'll need to know God. And so we're going to look at this story. We're going to say, what are four things real quick that we can learn about Paul and this experience that will show us what God is like. Because until we know what God is like, it's going to be hard for us to know his voice. And so here's the first thing. And this might not seem connected at first, but I'm going to help you see how these build on each other. So first, when we persecute people, we persecute Christ. So in Paul's story, Paul, at the time, known as Saul, had a reputation for persecuting people. Literally, he would have them put to jail. Literally, he would have them beaten. Literally, he would have them lashed. And and so tonight, as you think about, okay, I'm trying to learn from like Paul or Saul or whatever his name is, identity crisis guy. I'm trying to learn from him. 
I don't really persecute people like Saul persecuted people. And I would say that's probably true. But, but here's the deal. Um, if you know Jesus and you've heard Jesus talk or you've seen what he said to other people, you know that he often uses these word pictures to help us understand big spiritual ideas. And one of the ideas that he'll use or one of the images, he'll use things that we understand visually to talk about things that are spiritual that we don't necessarily see or understand. And so, you know, I think in, in one of the stories, Jesus is this, um, I am Jesus. If you were to read that story again, he appears to Saul. He says, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Which is kind of confusing because there's no point in the story where Saul walks up to a guy named Jesus and puts him in jail. There's no point in the story where Jesus is like the guy receiving the lashings from Saul directly. But what Jesus is saying, when you persecuted those other people, those people following me, you actually persecuted me. And so tonight, as we think about this, like literally, maybe you don't put people in jail. But I bet if I were to sort of press you a little bit and we were to talk for a while, I bet you would agree that there's ways that we can put people in jail with our words. There are ways that we can beat up on people with how we treat them. And so here's, here's my question. You know, when you think about the way that you treat people at school, would you say there's any part of you at times that sort of emotionally beats up on people? In your mind, you sort of have placed that person in a jail cell like they were a jerk to me one time. And so no matter what they do to me, I'm always going to see that person as a jerk and I'm going to lock them away in that spot in my mind. And Jesus starts to paint a picture that, yeah, you might not persecute in the same way that Saul did, but you and I persecute. And when we persecute other followers of Christ, especially the little ones or the weak ones or the new ones, Jesus says, you're persecuting me. And so that's the first thing. That's the first thing we got to know. And we're going to understand why that's important as you see these builds. So here's the second thing we can learn from Saul's experience. God can use anyone. Parentheses. Who's cleaned up? Who doesn't swear very much? Who doesn't party too much? No, no, no. Anyone. Okay. God can use anyone. If you were to look at the Bible in 1 Timothy 1.15, I think we might have that one on the screen. Here's what it says. This is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save people who had their act together. No. Came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Okay, that, that guy who wrote that was the guy in that story. Saul, who persecuted Christians, who murdered Christians. Jesus appeared to him. His name was changed, and he, he took on a new identity, and he ultimately goes on to say, listen, Jesus saved me, and I'm literally the worst sinner. I killed other Christians. If there were some kind of chart, I would be at the top. And so he says that to help us see that God can use anyone. Listen, like, if God can forgive Paul, God can forgive you. If you're feeling like it's un, you're just kind of unworthy or you've already gone too far, like, no, 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 no. Like, we just got to take a moment and learn from this story because written into the story is that big statement that God can use anyone. Here's another verse I really like around this idea. It's not on the screen, but 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. Maybe you'll write that down and come back to it. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27 says this. Instead, God chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Verse 28. God chose things that are despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring 
nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast or brag in the presence of God. Let me just, without you raising your hand, if you've ever felt dumb, if you've ever felt dumb, you don't have to raise your hand. Guess what? You're a candidate for God to use. If you've ever felt, if you've ever felt powerless, like you look at your life, you look at what you're going through, like there's nothing I can do. Guess what? You're a candidate that God wants to use. You ever felt like the world looks down on you? You're a candidate for God to use. And we see all that. All those ideas are wrapped up in this one story because who God spoke to and what he said, we learn what God wants to say to us. Here's the third thing. God uses people. And this is hard for me to wrap my brain around. God uses people to speak and confirm his will. God uses people to speak and to confirm his will. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you were to ever have written like a creative uh, writing piece. How many of you have ever written a story for like school or homework? Okay, yeah, cool. And maybe you sit there and you think about the characters you want to use. Okay, maybe you have like the comic relief. This is just the goofy guy who runs into things and breaks stuff and looks at something and it falls apart. Like that guy. And normally that guy's like not the first person that people think of to be like the hero. Okay, maybe you have like a criminal, someone who breaks all the laws and does everything wrong and they go to jail and they're the bad guy. You see, like in our life, we are those characters that are just jacked up. We have addictions, we mess up, we miss the mark, we just don't do things right. And in the story that God is writing, God looks at you and I as just jacked up, broken people, messed up. says, I want to use that person for one of the biggest roles in my story. I want to use you. I want to use you. And he looks at people who clearly have faults. And that's kind of like, that's a part of this that we could spend a lot of time talking about that we can't tonight. But when we talk about the voice of God, I want you to sit with this idea that no matter who you are tonight, that God looks at your life and says, what if I choose to use you to reveal to others my voice? You see, there's, there's actually spots in the Bible where God speaks through people that don't even love him. God speaks through people that don't even love him. And tonight you're here like, I fall in that category. You better look out. God might use you. And you might not even know it. But if you are here and you say, I do follow Jesus, man, you are in a a prime position for God to speak through you. But here's the hard part. Those broken, messed up, jacked up people around you, God might use them to speak into your life. The people that you don't even like to listen to when they talk, God might say, I know you don't like it when they speak. You're probably really not going to like it when I speak through them and their words. Or I speak through them and their actions into your life. And so we see God setting this pattern. He says, I just want you to know there may come a time when I use people to speak to you and to speak to me. Here's the next thing. God heals. God heals. I think this is important when we talk about the voice of God. Because some of you are here and you're like, man... There was a time, I can think back and when I used to come to church or I went to this camp or I listened to this one talk and I felt like God was speaking to me and I was listening and responding, but then something happened. You know, I I think about just yesterday, I couldn't go home uh, because there was a wreck on Agate Pass. Anybody hear about that? Okay, yeah. Like, so I I heard there were people on Bainbridge who waited like three hours to get back to Paul's Bow and other people going the other way. And, you know, I was here and so I just hung out at the church a little bit longer. But, you know what? Someone's life just got turned upside down yesterday. 
Some family, some person, some individual. I heard there was a person who had to get extracted out of a car because they were trapped. Like when, when dramatic things, when chaotic things, when, when things like that happen in your life, it's kind of hard not to blame God. And, and I just know that in a group this size, you guys have gone through things that I can't even wrap my mind around. And you probably have said, you know what, God, because you let that happen in my life, I'm done listening to you. Because you let that happen to my friend, I'm done listening to you. And, and so this part of the story is so important that God stepped in to Saul's life, who'd become Paul, and brought healing. And if you just don't believe that God can heal, I think it's going to be hard for you to receive God's voice and to want to hear what he has to say. And so this is important. This is that fourth step that kind of builds on the others that God would heal. Um, so... Let me, let me answer the million dollar question, I think, of this whole series, okay? Why won't God speak audibly to me? Why can't I walk into church and instead of hearing Lance's like kind of annoying voice, like, why can't I hear like Jesus coming through the sound system? Why can't I put on like my headphones at school and just hear Jesus talk to me? He wants to use people? Okay, I'm going to give you just three things that maybe aren't the only three, but I think the Bible makes it pretty clear that these three are, are true. Here's the first one, okay? On your notes, so you can fill these in. One, you and I would freak out. One, you and I would just freak out if, if God actually audibly spoke to us. You know, I think we have this image in our brain uh, that when God speaks, it's going to be like... Um, <laughs> It's going to be like this really beautiful setting where like Morgan Freeman is like standing in a field and it's like March of the Penguins and listen, my child, I know school is horrible right now. And you just kind of picture this nice soothing voice. Listen, like when God speaks in the Bible, people cry. When God speaks in the Bible, people freak out and like run the other way. And so as you think about this, I just want you to, in this moment, for this one point, to just to recognize that when God's voice is described in the Bible, um, one of the consistent images is that it doesn't just say that God speaks. There's this verb that comes up over and over again. It says, God thundered his reply. God thundered his voice. And in fact, there's a word picture in the Bible that describes these these trees in Lebanon, this place in the Bible, that were huge. They're kind of like the big redwoods in like California. You just picture these huge trees. The Bible says God speaks and it shatters redwoods, these trees. And they call them something else, the trees of Lebanon. But the idea that the God's voice is so powerful, we just can't even wrap our mind around it. And so, one, some of you are wishing God would speak so that you'd be comforted and you could just like relax in his voice. Well, you just got to know that if God really spoke audibly, we'd be freaked out. You might be scared away from even wanting to hear God ever again. Let's, let's talk about this. Number two, if God spoke audibly to us, and I think this is one of the biggest reasons as I look at the story of God. If God spoke audibly to us, we would stop listening to each other. If God could just tap into your iPod... <laughs> All right, and you're like listening to like Jay-Z and then Beyonce, Rihanna, Lady Gaga, Bieber, and you're like, I want to listen to God. And you, boom, plus God. And then you just listen to God and you could just tap into that soundtrack whenever you needed to hear from God. Why would you ever listen to anybody else? You know what I'm saying? That feels like, man, why would you go put in like a VHS tape? Anybody know what VHS is? Like a VCR? Why would you do that when you got Blu-ray? You know what I'm saying? 
like, why would you go put in, like, Men in Black on, like, I don't know, like, this old VCR when you could go pop in, like, the newest Mission Impossible on Blu-ray with, like, high def. It's like, if God could speak directly to you, man, I don't need you. Are you, like, stumble over your words and, and you say things that are dumb? Like, I'm just going to go straight to God. If God spoke audibly to us, we'd stop listening to each other. We'd begin to think that other people are boring or unnecessary or just not important. But here's the deal. God says people aren't boring and unnecessary and not important. He says they're most important. They're most necessary. So before we jump to that next one, I just wonder if if you would say that as you think about other people, have you been willing to let God speak through other people in your life to you? And not just when you come here on Tuesday and, oh, Lance sort of speaks and it's from the Bible and so he's the only one who speaks. No, like God wants to use, I know this sounds crazy, but God might want to use your parents. We talked about teachers earlier and people in authority. God might want to speak through a teacher to you. (laughs) You know, the Bible talks about laziness. This is crazy. Your teacher might say something to you about why you need to get your homework done on time and you think that teacher's just a jerk. And God actually might be using that teacher to talk to you about how, yeah, you're actually lazy. And that can be of God. See, some of us here, our teachers say that we're lazy and we go home. We're like, God, why are you persecuting me? You're punishing me. And God's like, no, I'm, I'm helping you grow. And not every time. I'm not saying every time, but I'm just saying it's possible. But how would you know how God's trying to speak if you don't know the kinds of things that he says? And how would you know the kinds of things that he says or doesn't say if we don't know the kind of God that he really is? And this story helps us see. Here's the next one, the last one for tonight. Um, When God speaks, um, the reason that I don't think he speaks audibly is because he's already spoken so much in the text. Here's the deal. God will never say something to you that he hasn't already said here. I mean, you might have a specific circumstance and you might be trying to, let's say, you know, you're growing up and you're trying to buy a car and you're like, I don't know which car to buy. And then you look through the Bible, you're like, man, Moses didn't buy like a Honda, so maybe I shouldn't buy a Honda. Like, that's not really the point, okay? But the way that God talks about our finances, he's gonna, not going to drop some new piece of, of, you know, financial wisdom on you that he hasn't already revealed in his word. So God speaks here and, and everything that you need to know, you can start here with. So here's what I think is important to catch. The way that God has spoken to his people has changed a little bit over time. I think, do we have Hebrews uh, on the screen? Okay, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Here's what it says. In the past, everyone say past. Past. God spoke to our ancestors, the old people, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So in the past, God spoke through prophets to our ancestors at many times in various ways but in these last days everyone say last days last days okay that's that's kind of us in these last days he's spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe here's what i hope you catch okay Some of you are like, I wish God would speak god's never spoken to me uh verse two but in these last days he has spoken You don't need to be like an English major, like you don't need to be a professor in English studies to learn that that verse and that that verb tense there means that it's already happened. That in your life and in my life, God has spoken. God has said things. And he said things to us through a certain channel. Through a certain channel. And it's his son. 
And then this last part was kind of given as a reason to why we should listen to this guy, Jesus. Why should we listen to his son? Because God appointed Jesus heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. In other words, you have a reason to trust what this son of mine is saying and has said. You know, tonight I I hope that um, your desire to hear God speak is growing. But... I want to share um, the story of someone who who went through something really traumatic. Like I said earlier, there's reasons that um, maybe you don't trust God or you don't want to hear God. And, and this guy who, who went through this story, um, you're going to see that he started following Jesus as, as a young person, as a teenager, went to youth group. And then something happened later in life and he just kind of faded away, faded away. And then you're going to see how that played out. So let's take a look at this story together. So I'm laying there mangled on the side of the road in a pool of my own blood, head swelling, and my, my head split open after drinking all day and eating morphine for a month. They said they would operate, but I wasn't supposed to recover. The kid's not going to live. I wasn't supposed to open my eyes. I'm not supposed to be here. I grew up here in the Kansas City area. One of the suburbs of Kansas City. Typical kid, and I rode my bicycle all over town with my friends. As a teenager, I started getting active in a, in a church with some friends of mine in their youth group there on Wednesday nights. I was reading my Bible and praying and had a real active relationship with the living God. And it was, it was real. And then something happened when I was in my late teens. There seemed to be something something better not a not a particular event but just i was being i was being drawn away i don't know over here it's nice check this out my other friends and the world had so much more to offer than the church did see see what he's got you can have that i bought into the deception that there was something better and i went after it drugs one of these days i'm going to change my evil ways booze but not today because that glass is still full women and that girl's looking fine, so I'm going to finish this whiskey and see what she's doing. Why wouldn't I want that? I chased it 100 miles an hour. You know, if one's good, two's got to be better. Years and years. And if two's better, then do some more. Chased it for years. When I was 21, I started drinking pretty heavily. We went out drinking every day. Now, if it's a day in and with a Y, it's a day to get drunk. One day back in, back in 01, I was hanging out with a friend of mine. We got together that night like we did every night. To go drinking. And I got a phone call to head off to my next destination. And I was out I was out the door. I watched try to get on his motorcycle. And I immediately saw him drop the bike because he was so drunk. He tried to talk me out of going. Came outside and tried to take my keys and we argued about it. He snatched them out of my hand, got on his bike again. And he started it up and tore off down the street. I never made it to my next destination. My buddy left the bar and 
found me. And he jumped out and ran to my body where I was convulsing and laying in the pool of my own blood. My head swelling and my, my head split open. Called 911. The ambulance showed up. The doctor said they would operate, but the kid's not going to live. And they removed four by six by six centimeters from my front temporal lobe. If he does live, he might, he might make it a month. You know, tore up. If he makes it a month, he's going to be a vegetable after that anyway. He wouldn't be able to walk or talk. So my family, my friends waited in the hospital room for... Shane died. They had all my, my body parts donated, and they waited, and they found a place to put me and waited in a gravesite for me. I wasn't supposed to recover. I wasn't supposed to open my eyes. I wasn't supposed to talk ever again. One day there in the hospital, a friend of my dad's came in, and he, he had a prayer. He wanted to pray for me, so he gathered up some folks and they circled around the bed that I was laying in and he prayed. This guy was saying, you know, oh, great God in heaven, we have a situation here at St. Luke's Hospital. We need you to go down this hall and fix this kid that's broken in such a way that no man can put him back together. And by the way, we need him fixed before tomorrow morning. In Jesus' name, amen. A friend of mine agreed with that prayer and the next day I woke up. They kept saying, it's a miracle. The nurses and the, the doctors were going crazy. I agreed. It was a miracle. I wasn't supposed to, to wake up and move my hands or be hungry, but I was. A couple of days later, they had to kick him out of ICU. They sent me down to a rehab hospital where I continued to get better. And I remember going to the chapel at the rehab hospital. And I remember getting down on the, on the little altar there in front of the pew, and I just said... God, won't you take this life back? I've done a piss poor job with it. You can have it, because I can't do it. I can't do it myself. I pray that in Jesus' name. He took that life back and he gave me a new life. I was almost destroyed, but now I have abundant life. I've been sober for almost 10 years. I don't have the void in my life that I was trying to fill for so many years. I don't know life. If you don't know Jesus, it's about that rich life you can have now on earth in fellowship with him, the creator of life, the author of life and love. My name is Shane Campion, and I am second. Man, what a what a story, right? And, and so traumatic. It was so clear that something so big happened in his life, and, and it was actually reversed for him, right? I mean, he was following God, and then he faded away before that big, crazy thing happened. But I think the way that he described turning away from church, man, we face that all the time. I, I think that idea that we're sort of doing what God wants, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that looks pretty good. We're kind of doing what God wants, but, but man, what about over here? And, and he kind of describes just fading away, and he got caught up in other things, and then eventually it was so extreme that he almost lost his life in an accident related to alcohol. And you may never find yourself at that point, but I do know that you'll find yourself right here. You'll find yourself right here where you're maybe doing what God wants, and you will notice that other things seem appealing. The Bible says that you will face temptation of many kinds. You're going to face temptation sexually. You're going to face temptation financially. You're going to face temptation physically. You're going to face temptation socially. You name it, you will face it. And maybe you haven't yet, but it's coming. 
And the Bible is not surprised by that. The Bible actually says, know that that's coming. But also know this. Jesus says, know that I have overcome the world. I've overcome all of that. But, you know, tonight as I thought about what do we do with all of this? What do we do with Saul's encounter that just dramatically changed him? What do we do with those four points or those three reasons that we don't hear the voice of God? And I want to suggest two things. One, that God is speaking tonight and has spoken. And if there's only two things I could say that God has spoken already to you and to me, the first thing he says is come. If, if we can only look at two messages tonight from God to us, it's come. And, and here's what I love about what Jesus says. And, and he says this in Mark chapter 11. Maybe you'll look at this later. Mark chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus talks to people who are tired, beat up, worn out. He says, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, burdened, and I will give you rest. So tonight, I don't know what you're hearing from God, but I hope that really clear, you're seeing this message that God has an invitation for you to come. Come with all the junk. Come with all the brokenness. Come with all the questions, but just come. And I, here's what I'm going to do for you. I will give you rest. It's not a promise that you'll be able to sleep in more or relax and play video games all the time, but it's a deeper rest. Jesus says that your heart and my heart are going all the time. We're worrying about things. We're stressing out about things. We're anxious. We're depressed. We're lonely. And our hearts are always on the move. And Jesus says, when you come to me, I'm going to put your heart at rest in my presence. That's the first thing that I hope you hear. Here's the second. God has called you and I from that place of rest to invite others into that. Now, inviting other people doesn't mean that you go to your friends who smoke weed and you smack them across the face and say, Jesus hates you. That's not an invitation. That's condemnation. And Jesus says that you and I, from our place of rest, we have a message to deliver, and it's not a message of judgment or condemnation. It's a message of this other big word, reconciliation. Hey, I have a message for you that you're far from God and I was far from God, but Jesus made a way for that to be different. I have a message that God wants to bring you close and offer you this kind of rest, this kind of new life. And that is the second part of what tonight I hope you take away. One, Jesus has come. Two, from that place of rest and relationship, would you invite others into this gospel-centered life? The good news. You know, I know that it's hard to invite your friends to Jesus. I know that. It's hard for me sometimes, all the time. But, but here's what makes it easier. When you have something so clear that's kind of low-pressure invite, that you can do what the woman at the well did when she said, hey, come and see. Come and see for yourself. So here's the deal. PJ is going to pass out something. 
and she has someone that's going to help her and everybody in the room, I'm going to ask you to take one of these touch cards for gathering the remnant. Okay, as she comes by and as Greer comes by, everyone's going to get one. And, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Once you get that, t- that touch card, I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of inward looking, okay? Just kind of look inside your own life first and say, one, have I come to Jesus and am I resting in his presence? Have I come to Jesus and am I resting in his presence? And maybe you answer yes to that. Here's the second part. Jesus, we're going to ask him this. Jesus, who do you want me to invite to next week? Jesus, I'm resting in your presence. God, I'm enjoying you and relationship with you. But this life was meant to be inviting others in. And so who do you want me to invite next week to hear this message? So let's do this, you guys. As the worship team just plays quietly right now, can we all just bow our head and have that conversation? One, Jesus, have I come to you and am I actually resting in your presence? number two God tonight this rest wasn't meant for us just to enjoy by ourselves but there would be something about the place that you've brought us in life the friends that you've allowed us to have the family that you've placed us in God you would say all those places we're living there for a reason you've placed us there for a reason and it's to point to you so God tonight as we think about inviting other people to follow you Who can we invite next week? God, who can we invite to just do this? Just, hey, just come and see. Come and see. Father, my prayer is that tonight we would be reminded of your voice. And maybe like the guy in the video, God, we started out well at youth group and church, but we've sort of faded because everything else looks so good. Everything else feels so good. But tonight, Lord, you're showing us what the abundant life really looks like. And so we're choosing that. And by choosing that life, we choose to be inviters. We choose to be people that point to you. And so tonight, Father, help us know who can we point to? Who can we invite into this? Lord, we give you this time of response and this time of listening. May this be a reminder of how much you want to speak to us. Tonight we say that we're listening. We're going to seek you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. You guys, let's, we have just a few minutes left. Let's all stand together. And the worship team is going to lead us in one last song. So with everybody on their feet, I'm going to ask that you hold that card, hold on to that. Think about who God's inviting you to talk to about GTR. And let's sing this one last song together as we go.
They can't turn anywhere else to experience this kind of rest. I pray that, Lord, you would show what it's like to be in your presence, to hear your voice. And God, as we hear your voice, I pray that we would just have eyes this week to see opportunities to point to you. God, opportunities to offer good news to a world that doesn't hear good news very much, especially not news like this, Lord. You are the only one that offers hope that lasts and true freedom from addiction and bondage, Lord, and darkness. And we pray that next week, God, would just be a celebration of who you are, your creativity and our passions and our gifts. Lord, if, if you're calling us to invite someone specific, I pray that you make that so clear. And you would give an opportunity and courage to take advantage of that opportunity, Lord. Tonight, we just give all of this to you and say thank you for how much you care about us and the people around us. Lord, we love you. We thank you in your name. Amen. If you're here and you're helping or performing at GTR, please stick around, come up and see PJ. Otherwise, have a fantastic Harlem Shaking Week. We'll, uh...